0: everybody, to another edition of cryptocurrency Aftershock. My name is Stephen Miller, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Richard. How are we doing, Rich? Doing good. Um, it's nice to see Bitcoin above 30000
1: Um, I think I'm still on the struggle bus, but, you know, and the reason I bring those two up is because, you know, they typically lead the rest of the crypto market. So watching these pretty heavily. But, you know, what is exciting is this week is consensus, and uh, I will be there because I live in Austin. And uh, I guess... Somebody's going to be joining me out here. I guess you know someone who might be on this show, but we'll see. You know, it should be a fun time overall, though.
0: I am really excited for Consensus. Um, I've actually just last week booked my ticket to come to Austin on a very last minute decision. Um, way more last minute than I've ever been in my entire life, but I'm still going to make it. Um, we gonna make it. Wag me. Um, Wag me. Yeah, but it's it's going to be really exciting. I'm very very much so looking forward to it. And if you're going to be in Austin for Consensus please do us a favor. Hit us up on Twitter. My handle is on screen. If you're joining us on YouTube, it's at Steve Miller underscore PHX, or you can get in touch with Rich at Richard Carthon on Twitter. Uh, but again, if you are joining us for the very first time today, uh, maybe you've decided to tune in through your favorite podcast platform or you're on YouTube where you get the, uh, the two beautiful people that you see in front of you if you're on YouTube. We would love it and appreciate it if you would subscribe and or make sure that you're following us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, On the Aftershock, we do a lot of news capture. That's our entire catch-up on the day. We like to connect you with the news and the topics that are influencing the future of Web3. And today is no different in terms of the magnitude of that news. So let's jump right into it with this week's Aftershock. The Aftershock. So in this week's Aftershock, we've got a whole lot of Web3 lightning round news for you. But we're going to start out with the top story, which is historic legislation being proposed in the U.S. Congress by Sen- Senator Cynthia Loomis. So Richard, this is arguably going to be landmark legislation. Um, we've never seen anything of this kind before, and I have to imagine it's going to shake a lot of people up. Um, so right at the top, you have it including definitions of which coins are commodities, securities, stable coins while also providing certain CBDC framework or central bank digital currencies and some NFT direction as well. What concerns me about this piece of news, as I'm sure it concerns a lot of people in the altcoin world, is that the people that worked on this bit of legislation, for the most part, are all Bitcoin maxis. That has typically been really bad news for anybody who is in favor of an L1 blockchain. And we'll get into that in another minute. But this new bill has some really like far-reaching um, considerations in it. Now, in a, in a closely related bill, another um, another bill right now that's proposed will actually force U.S. Congress members to declare their crypto crypto holdings over a thousand dollars. Now, there's a reason we're bringing that up, but Richard, let's take apart the the beginning of this. What is your vibe on it? What do you think about this legislation?
1: Um, it could set a really really bad stage for. A lot of altcoins suddenly becoming securities. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, as that begins to happen, you typically need to have uh, a lot more um, legalese, aka, like uh, you have to have like your Series Six, Series Seven, to be able to you know legally trade securities on behalf of other people. If you're kind of in that fashion, or if you want to from an accounting standpoint have a lot of other things that this is ultimately going to like be a huge damper on access for people entering the crypto space and being able to own crypto unless you don't want to be in compliance with the sec and have uncle sam coming after you and i just i hope that they don't go and roll all of the securities Um, the fact that they are even considering making Ethereum, a layer one, uh, be considered a security could, again, this could, this could shake up the entire industry if passed, if um, not really looked at with a a, a fine comb, fine tooth comb. And and to your point with uh, the team that's working on it being, um, having quite a few Bitcoin maximalists on there, uh, pointing at you, Michael Saylor and, uh, I believe Kaylin Long is too. Ted Cruz is on the fence, but more of a very pro-Bitcoin. I don't know if he's a Bitcoin maxi, but all the same, uh, when you have the majority of people working on this type of legislation and uh, it benefits Bitcoin maxis to have all these altcoins become securities because then all roads point back to Bitcoin, which... That's pretty much DMO of a Bitcoin maxi. Anyway, all
0: roads lead back to Bitcoin. But what, what do you? what's your take on this? So it's important to understand first that this legislation is first being brought to the floor of Congress on Tuesday of this current week. This show releases on Wednesday, but we do not, in fact, record it on Wednesday. So some of the things that we may be saying right now may be a little bit tested because, again, we're going on early speculation as well as a rough draft of the proposal that leaked online. So in the original language of the proposal, you saw specifically that all L1s, all layer one blockchains, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Avalanche, those layers, all of them would be deemed securities. Now, this actually goes directly against what a past SEC chairman has actually ruled on L1 protocols. He actually had already made the determination that they were not securities. So it's really interesting to me that they're actually reversing course on that and pulling it back. But to your point, if that happens and all of these things get to get deemed as securities, there's going to be a very massive widespread crackdown. And unless we start to get better legislation, a lot of these projects aren't going to even have the opportunity to lift off and bring... To the, like, to the people the innovation that they have claimed for so long. It could be really, really tragic for the US if this is over-legislating just for the sake of benefiting Bitcoin maxis. Um, specifically, when I look at that, I'm really speaking to Michael Saylor, Caitlin Long, and I actually would speak to the fact that Ted Cruz is going to be in that category of Bitcoin maxi. Why? Very simple. Right now, Texas is one of the top Bitcoin mining states. And that means that a massive part of his donor base is now going to be Bitcoin maxis. So he has to actually legislate with them in mind. He does not have to consider anybody else. And he has actually said in prior interviews that any coin outside of Bitcoin is outside of his risk profile. That is such a political answer of saying, I am a Bitcoin maxi. Do you read it that way or no? No, uh, that's, that's pretty maxi-language. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm very surprised by this. But I think that what you're seeing at the very bottom of our, um, our write-up there with regard to this separate bill, what's interesting to me about that is if they're going to pass a bill forcing U.S. Congress members to declare their crypto holdings over $1,000, do you really think that they're going to be doing that for every single citizen? I would imagine so. So this is their way of trying to soften that blow, saying, oh, well, Congress is doing it. So they're going to try to work that same exact language into the crypto bill um, that goes to the floor of the Senate in the near future. So I think that's enough on regulation. We can move past it for right now, but please keep your ear to the ground on that story. It's a big one. In our next story, we have DraftKings, very prominent sports betting platform, plans to add betting and payouts in Bitcoin. Now, Rich, I know that you're a little bit of a gambling man. Do you think that this is a good move or is it a bad move? If they're paying out in Bitcoin, I think a lot
1: of people are going to take that option. Like, you know, I the could you imagine going to casino right now and they're like, now we can give you this dollar so you can place in your hands right now, or we can give you Bitcoin. If that was an option, I'm taking that option all day.
0: Are you kidding me? Like. It's I mean, not it even a consideration. But for some people, paying out to Bitcoin is just sitting there and saying like, all right, let it ride, right? I mean, in some way, right? Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. I think that the payout option is the right way to go, but I think that the betting in Bitcoin option is terrifying. I, c- I couldn't ever imagine betting my Bitcoin. I only stack sats. I would never put that on the I,
1: We're on the same page. So as it relates to betting, yeah, if you want to do risky business with that, have at it. Uh I am of the mind that there's no reason you should be spending Bitcoin at any point in the sh- short-term future. You should be stacking as much as you can, but hey, do what you do. Uh but again, payouts in Bitcoin, that sounds awesome. I wish I wish there was payouts in in Bitcoin in almost all facets of life. Like I would take that option every time.
0: Well we're going to keep an eye on this one for you and keep you updated. In our next story in the Web3 Lightning round, we have Chipotle, your Either favorite or least favorite burrito restaurant will now accept crypto at U.S. stores. This is a massive piece of news because I know a lot of Gen Z in the millennial audience love Chipotle. And now if they are kind of getting in the mindset of, well, not necessarily degenning, but saying that you know the U.S. dollar is just going to continue to inflate and inflate and inflate, maybe it's time that I start moving up more of my assets into crypto now i can actually pay with that crypto at chipotle and get food so i think it's an interesting piece of news but what do you think
1: when you have major brands accepting money that is outside of the us dollar that is a pretty big sign of adoption to me uh, i mean you you are trust, you, this is a strategic investment in the future of money and you're seeing more and more of this crypto adoption happening Uh, in in the retail space. And so, and, you know, they're saying they're accepting crypto. I'm guessing they're probably going to take like Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe some others, but Probably, probably Doge, probably Doge because, you know, Doge, but it's just the fundamentals in crypto keep just absolutely appalling me in the sense of like how bullish fundamentals are yet the market, you know, isn't telling the same story, but like this is stories like this that keep giving me hopium. What can I say? Like
0: it's, this is, I still think this is pretty solid news. Look, I think that that actually, it makes me think that I need to go back to the legislation portion that we just talked about for another second. Either way, what they're doing in Congress right now is not bearish for crypto. Okay, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. I think yeah. it's bearish for some altcoins if the legislation comes out the way it was in the March um, draft that was leaked. But if that language has at all changed, all of it ends up being bullish for crypto. Because we need more clarifying terms out there for crypto to move forward and to be further adopted by like bigger institutions. Like A lot of the big banks have stayed out of it because there's too much risk associated with getting into something without actual regulatory framework. So, really important to understand. I think that more often than not, these regulations that come out are going to be bullish for crypto, unless you're in a place like China that chooses to ban it every six months. But that's a story for a different podcast.
1: It's legal right now, <laughs> for now.
0: <laughs> well, our next story comes from ETH Layer 2 Solution. Optimism Optimism is a scaling solution on the Ethereum blockchain that allows transactions to essentially go through much faster and be handled um, by what is called a roll-up. So it, it happens off-chain for the recording of a specific transaction. So the Optimism network officially airdropped its new token, OP, to users this past week. I think it's a really big move because I think we're just seeing the start of L2 season starting to take off. Um, you have a lot of other big L2s out there, including ZK Sync, which are planning on doing a token drop in the near future. It's something to be aware of. And I think that that is just about it for Optimism's airdrop. In our last piece of news, this is an interesting one. Coinbase is officially freezing hiring. And they've even gone so far as to rescind accepted job offers. Rich, this is not only like concerning, but it's also really sad. Do you have a
1: specific... I mean, I was looking at a thread earlier on Twitter where basically uh, one of the developers who accepted a job a week ago, I'm not even talking about weeks, a week ago, uh, basically said, you know, Coinbase was talking about, hey, we're, we're doing these hirings, we just acquired all this money, etc. And then reverse course, and not only did they rescind the offer, but basically rescinded their visa, rescinded like all this stuff. So people were making life decisions, being able to like, get ready to move and whatever. And then basically imagine a week later being like, just kidding. We're not going to do this anymore. Uh, It sucks. It's terrible. But what's, I think, even bigger for us to unpack here with this type of news, Coinbase is a publicly traded company on uh, the U.S. Stock Exchange. If you look across the U.S. uh, companies, you have multiple large institutions uh, from Tesla. Um, I think even some um, other companies recently are laying off up to 10% of a lot of their uh, companies and they're freezing across the board. And this is aligning with a lot of news that is coming out across the industry, which is, you know, doom and gloom, impending U.S. recession coming. Yet when you look at reports like uh, the job market, etc., Job market as far as um, employment goes is all-time lows at like 3.2%. And they added another like 300,000 jobs and stuff like that. So you you have a picture that's being painted like, here comes trouble. But the hard numbers that are coming in that the U.S. was reporting on is telling a different story. So it's just, it's a weird time in the market, man. Like, it's, it's so
0: weird. Yeah, it is just a weird time to be an American citizen. Like I know that that sounds super vague and like just kind of an out there statement, but it's just kind of true. Like you don't know what's really going on behind the scenes because so many of our like governmental metrics are just bluff. They're totally skewed. Um, I mean, we're not reporting accurate empl- unemployment numbers to begin with, right? So the fact that if we have the best unemployment rate in history right now, but we have Coinbase freezing jobs and then we're sending offers should tell you something. So think a little bit deeper, be willing to question things, and that will lead us into last week in the metaverse where we talk a little bit more about the NFT-related news from the past week that mattered most. Now, this first story probably is going to be the top story for a hot minute here. Earlier on in the year, we brought you a news story saying that Nate Chastain, who is the head of product at OpenSea, the biggest NFT marketplace on the planet, was officially terminated for what they called, for lack of a better you know phrase, um, insider trading. Well, not only was he fired from OpenSea, but now there's actually a DOJ case against him that is charging him with wire fraud and money laundering. All around this specific instance where he was fired from OpenSea, I am. Absolutely fascinated by this one because there's a lot of me that sits here and says, um, That's literally all we do. All of us are just going on insider information as to what is the next alpha play? What is the next NFT that's going to pump? Like, I don't know how that's actually insider trading because at the same time, NFTs, in my opinion, are not securities, right? In a lot of cases, they are collectibles, which we've seen. Basically, you know, through the, the trading card market and everything else out there, pump over time, just like how baseball cards of high rarity have pumped in the past, and then also, you know, fluctuate back down in price. I'm curious how they choose to this, but I know you've read a little bit deeper into this. So why don't you give us your take? So, my hot take on this is the
1: reason why this is different is that, so OpenSea is not a public facing company. However, when you look at, the company itself, and you look at the money that flows through OpenSea, um, is, I believe it's like 80% market share. And we share a lot of numbers of how they're making you know billions of dollars in transactions a month, etc. Et now, because this is such a public-facing company, and, oh, that's right, the founders are doxxed, um, there's a higher expectation to work with uh, morality and ethics. Now, with being... With how this person got... Uh, found and, and for the insider trading and anti-mon, um, well, it's not really anti learning but like insider trading was that he would discover these NFTs that would be featured on the homepage of OpenSea and the homepage of OpenSea gets viewed by a lot of people all across the world and people typically go there to get their information and then typically if you land on the homepage of OpenSea when something first launches it pumps it goes up in value so he would know what would come out the next day and would go buy a bunch of them for cheap and get rare ones and then basically the next day after it pumps, he would then go sell it. I think all in all, he he made roughly around 67, dollars or something like that. But the difference was was that he knew what was going to happen. Like it, it wasn't like a oh this might happen. Like he clearly knew. And so by Open exposing their you know their uh, employee of being like hey he did this this is why we got rid of him it kind of set him up to be a target where the difference, what you were talking about, Stephen, yes, we are all trying to find alpha. Yes, we are all trying to do whatever, but we also don't have a website and a means to, to buy an NFT, put it on a homepage of our website, have it basically jump up you know, 10x and a couple of hours sell it and rinse repeat.
0: I think that's where the big difference is here. Yeah, I mean, the biggest trick is that as head of product, he's the insider. He knows exactly what's going to go up on the homepage when. But the real thing to me um, about this that I think is a little bit sketchy in terms of the case that they have against him um, is just the fact that OpenC could make a case that more of, well, I mean, not OpenC. he could make a case as head of product that OpenSea algorithmically chooses a certain number of NFT projects to go onto the home screen, which he just flat out doesn't know. But he managed to pick well across a couple of them that he may or may not have known You know, were coming on market. So there's there may be a case to be pled there, but I think at the very least, like there's a very high chance that this guy ends up going down for money laundering. I'm not sure how they're making a case for wire fraud, but... If they're going to press for you know something on insider trading, that's probably how they're going to get them. So we'll have to keep you updated on that story, but it's definitely a very big one and could set some big precedent. Next up, Kanye. You may have heard of him. He has officially trademarked the Yeezy brand for NFT and metaverse use cases. Not just that story in terms of IP this week. We also have another big IP set from DeLorean, You know the car from Back to the Future. The DeLorean Motor Company has also revealed a plan to enter the metaverse by filing trademark applications for metaverse and NFTs. This is so flipping cool. I can't wait. That is the entire story. I can't wait. (laughs) Come on, dude. Are you telling me that you won't want to go around the metaverse in your own DeLorean?
1: I mean, yeah, but...
0: (laughs) Everybody's... When you look at the new trademarks
1: and patents and all that kind of stuff... So much of it's going into the metaverse. It's, it's 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 it's
0: crazy, man. Like
1: Web three and and where this is headed, everyone's trying to get that IP
0: ready. Yo, real talk. Have you seen the new um, the new DeLorean that they're trying to deliver? No. Oh man, is that you what's on screen right now? That's what's on screen right now. So if you're joining us over on YouTube, you get to see the sexy, sexy DeLorean Oof. that they're trying to roll out right now. Um, dual gold wing doors. Um, similar type of inside layout, but like completely updated for the 21st century. Um, You know, not that it wasn't trying to be futuristic back in the day, but um, it's it's leveled up in a big way and it's all electric. So to me, I see this as a really cool thing, just generally speaking, but I also think this is big for the metaverse because I think that every single, you know, 80s nostalgia person out there wants to see this and will use the DeLorean as their gateway to get into the metaverse. Again, just my take. I will be <laughs> driving, I will be driving one very very soon. So our next story comes from gem.xyz. They've been all over the news lately, dude. I don't even know like how they managed to get the PR person that they have working for them, but they're crushing it. The Gem stories have been out of this world. So Gem announced live mode. So essentially, they're going to be integrating a live feed of items that are currently being purchased. To the typical consumer, this means diddly squat, right? There's nothing you know new to this. But who, who would care about this news is the advanced trader. Because the advanced trader is typically utilizing tools that will allow them to snipe product tr- um, transactions that are in the process of being made. So if you see something that's in the process of being purchased and you evaluate it quickly enough... You can immediately set higher gas, and just take the product out from underneath the person who's trying to buy it. Um, goes back to NFT ethics, right? Is that ethical? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think?
1: I don't know, man. That's a tough one, right? Like, so if they have a price on there, and you see someone's trying to scoop it up, and you're just like, "Look, I'm willing to spend more spend more money to to have make it happen faster." Ah, man, that's where it gets tough, right? Like, could you imagine? Getting in your cart for you know tickets to like a show, and you know you, you get in in time, and now you're you you have your five minutes, but someone all of a sudden all the tickets are gone because you didn't
0: purchase. And instead of five minutes, it's gone in thirty seconds, right? Like you mean you mean like every single concert of a popular musician in the last ten years?
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a little different though, right? Like I I,
0: I don't know. Look, I mean. So- At least from where I'm sitting, like I'm still astonished that you got Kendrick tickets. Yeah. I move quickly. Humble humble brag, right? Uh, (laughs) From a friend. But yeah, look, I I think that this is exactly what Gem is positioning themselves to be. They want to be the advanced traders platform. Yeah. They're they're now aggregating NFT sales from OpenSea, LooksRare, X2, Y2, and one other um, exchange that I think is just not really you know, impacting the overall market cap. But the point is, is that they are aggregating all those sales into one place. So you can shop every single exchange at one at one immediate time. That's pretty novel. I really love it. I love shopping through gem.xyz. And I think this just gives more people another reason to say screw up and see and screw Coinbase NFT. So I'm excited for it. I'm going to try it out. I'm probably not going to get any of the NFTs that I want and I'm just going to end up paying transaction fees. Next story. <laughs> know how that Our, goes. Yeah. Right. Dude, I've spent so much gas in the last like year and a half. Oh dude, it hurts my heart. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, oh, that's ugly. <laughs> do, you, do you remember we were reporting on it? Um, like right at the end of, it may have been like right at the end of September or October. Um, fees.wtf <laughs> <laughs> they were doing an airdrop for their wtf token yeah. and it just, it just tanked immediately it's like yeah that's that's the story of ethereum gas fees right there right there just like that, and that wild and it's gone yeah <laughs> so on to our next story because we can joke around about this stuff all day long um it comes from cool cats so cool cats one of my personal nft projects of like choice i love the project Full transparency, I don't own any um, I because I can't afford it. It's just ridiculous. Um, well, they've officially kind of renewed their focus on intellectual property and their community with the introdu- introduction of new cool-verse characters. I think it's brilliant. I think that they're probably going to end up oversaturating the market a little bit for like their specific niche. But to see that they've got five brand-new characters... Ready to roll and implement right alongside their blue cat makes me think that they're pretty much ready for prime time. I mean, despite not having a new CEO in charge. What do you think about it?
1: It's where a lot of these NFTs are trying to go for larger plays, right? Where you can start to get these, you know, cartoon TV deals or you can have these uh, meta plays where you can now have an entire collection of all these people being in the same verse. So I think this is a interesting play and I'm curious to see like where they take it. But I mean,
0: I easily could see this like being like a cartoon, right? This is one of my top two project picks or projects that have IP that could easily be converted into a new show. Yeah. I mean, like it's just, it's really cute. It falls into the cute meta trend. Um, It is, has a storytelling component built in. And I would be really surprised if we don't see something more dynamic happen under a new CEO soon. Um, clearly, the project still has good leadership. It's not exclusively running under a CEO or anything. But this is, it's clever. It's cute. It's an expansion. Um, I mean, they've got a little bird. What would you say the green guy is? Is that like a some type of weird sloth or what? Kind of.
1: I don't know. It's like a Teletubby without the thing at the top.
0: Yeah, very weird, but like still it fits in. The little bird to me is like the the one that I would want to go after. But then you've got either that's like a female cat or a bunny. And then yeah. you have some type of bird and what I think might be a llama. So I mean, you've got different like characteristics to each of these pieces that arguably you'd want to own. You'd want to have one of each, or like, you know, have your own little collection. To me, it it rings back to like beanie babies but Beanie Babies that you can make a show out of. The other one that I'm really high on right now is OCM Karma, which is coming later on this month on the 29th. That one could be like a world breaker, in my opinion. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. But (laughs) let's move into our final story for last week in the metaverse today. And that comes from a couple of really big projects. So the projects that we're speaking about now are Cyberkongs and Chimpers. But as well as those two, you also have DC Comics all of which have launched independent marketplaces for their respective holders. This is going to become a massive trend. And I'm just telling you that right now. If, if we have a, a chance or even a slight hope that we're going to see a world where we see a fee marketplace kind of take over or a a marketplace that doesn't take a massive transaction fee for every single unit sold. It's going to be through something like this. So because all of them have their own independent marketplaces, they can allow for their users to directly sell through those platforms without having to spend any additional money towards the actual, excuse me, marketplace. So I think this is a, a very big deal personally, but I think it's the beginning. Do you think that this is actually going to be the future of NFT transactions for for specific collections? Um, potentially, it's just expensive, man.
1: To like to create your own independent marketplace, there's a lot of technical debt that goes into that. There's a lot of investment that happens, and it also means you are trying to bring people away from other parties and going exclusively into your um, own ecosystem. So, for the you know for the cyberkongs, et cetera, for their ecosystem. They make more direct money because they're not having to go through any third parties to do their launch, et cetera. But I think it's cool. I think there is a lot of merit to it. I don't think it's for all future NFT
0: projects. The only reason that I would kind of go against what you're saying is because I think that while there is a massive amount of tech debt that goes with it, You have to keep in mind how much money these NFT projects are bringing in from just the Genesis launch, just from the initial sale of their NFTs, right? A lot of them are bringing in well above six figures. That's a lot of money to bring in to begin with. But if you can go and find the right builders in the space to build a marketplace, I know a group that's actually onboarded and fully built out a marketplace over the course of about a month and a half, a month and a half. Fully Web3 enabled, fully secure, ready to roll. And in fact, it's going to roll out here probably in the next three weeks, once the project mints out. Their entire you know pitch for the last like four or five weeks is as soon as this mints out, we're launching the marketplace in 24 hours, as soon as that's done. So to me, like I mean, I think it's it's something that if there eventually is like a white label project. That we can have out here for projects to just basically say, I'd like to white label your marketplace code and implement it with my NFT collection. That marketplace code base is going to get absolutely lit up with subscribers who are willing to pay that fee to have an onboarded marketplace. That could be a huge route that we see see develop. But you also have so much benefit of getting something like this up on board because immediately you're gonna start creating more generic sales right within your own collection on that platform, which means that royalties are going to go back to the team. So it could theoretically pay itself off over the course of its first year.
1: Yes. The other part of it, though, that I think is also just a huge risk. It's just the security piece of it, right? So even the model that you just described, that sounds great. We can white label some stuff, but if something goes wrong, I'm not going after your white label price. I'm going after you. So, I mean not to take away from the fact that, yes, that can work and it absolutely could be huge. Uh, I just want to go back to, you know, unfortunately, a lot of smart contracts aren't so smart and aren't built smart. And it's important that whoever's building all this out, they're keeping security at the most. Because, I mean, think, think about that, man. Like, why wouldn't, I don't have to go to OpenSea anymore. I can go at your marketplace all day and figure out how to crack that code. And if I do, now I got, you know, all of this supply and like, you can't go blame some third party like OpenSea or whatever. I come directly at you and say, Hey, what happened here?
0: Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, like, there, there are so many moving pieces to something like this. But I mean, at, at a certain level, you have to understand like where the liability is if you're willing to build something like that out. Like, I don't think that any of these projects have just decided to build out marketplaces all willy nilly and just decide, okay, well, now they can do it for free, and like that's it. I'm pretty sure that each of them, with the amount of capital that they bring in, have spent the actual time, money, and resources to consult legal. So I don't know if if we're gonna see that really break down, but I think the security argument is still something really important because people don't recognize this enough. You need to be actively removing your connections from certain sites, you know? And that's why we have this brilliant graphic up on the Cryptocurrent Twitter account um, that you can go and refer to for um, wallet management practices. Um, I managed to onboard that for us in the last week or so, and it's going to be up up on the Twitter account here shortly. But it breaks down the idea that you need to have, you know, some, anywhere between two to five wallets based on your risk tolerance and determine, okay, like one of these is a hot wallet. I'm willing to have it connected to other things, but I'm not willing to put a ton in it then you need to have a secondary wallet that is your vault. It's not connected to anything. It's just where you send all the tokens and NFTs that you straight up are not planning on moving in the short term. If you can do that, you're set up for success into the future because even if, God forbid, you start connecting to the Chimper's marketplace and it gets breached and all of a sudden you have a certain amount of tokens over there that can get pulled out, you're not fully getting rugged. You're not taking a complete loss because your top chimpers are over in that ice um you know the super cold wallet that's just part, that's just part of the way that I think about it but um I think that that is enough of a deep dive into security for one day don't you, don't you think
1: yeah that's a that's a good recall and everyone the only reason we bring this up is again we you got to protect yourself you're the bank you are your own resource you have to make sure <coughs> that these amazing things that you're purchasing uh doesn't get taken from you and unfortunately, it happens all the time. They they reported this year, um, I think, a couple billion dollars in crypto scams uh, in 2021. And um, number two was uh, for romantic uh, partners overseas where they're like, hey, I'm in trouble. Can you send me crypto to help me get out of trouble? And I
0: thought that was really interesting. Oh, my God. Those poor Nigerian princes. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, look... That is going to wrap up this week's Aftershock. Again, we really appreciate you coming around and hanging out with us for this show every week, every single Wednesday. Um, These shows are just a small dose of the wonderful programming that we put on over here every single Monday and Friday. We also drop interviews with some of the new thought leaders who are shaping the future of Web3, as well as we have tons and tons of editorial content over at crypto-current.co. So please go check that stuff out. And if you're really enjoying our contact our content, excuse me, please do me a solid and make sure you write us a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, And of course, over here on YouTube, if you're joining us for the video content, please feel free to leave a comment. We'd love to know what you think of the show and what you think of us. So make sure that you're doing that. It is a huge help to the show. Rich, who did you have on the podcast this week for interviews?
1: So Monday, uh, we had Atif, who's a senior brand ambassador at Solar. Um, they are paving the way for sustainable decentralized payments, uh, using their, their network. And, uh, it's really interesting all of the different ways that they are incorporating unique ways, uh, to have a, a more fluid, uh, payment method through your day-to-day operations. And then Friday, we have Shaban Asham, who is the founder and CEO of Ever Dream Soft, and have a really good interest, uh, conversation around uh, EverDreamsoft spells of Genesis gaming economy and all the different types of games
0: they're building within their ecosystem. So safe to say there's a lot of really great content out there on our platforms across all of our social media is where you can find it. You can, of course, reconnect with me after the show at Steve Miller underscore PHX and connect with Richard at Richard Carthon. But that is going to do it for this week's Aftershock. We appreciate you being here. We hope you'll come back next time. Your update and connection to Web3. Until then, stay cryptocurrency. We'll see you next time.